You are listening to Audio Drama in a Darker Shade at darkerprojects.com. And now our feature presentation. Night Terrors, an anthology of horror and suspense. Tonight's episode, The Horror of Cardmore Abbey, written by Paul Manway. I found a box from the 16th century secreted in the walls of this place. In it, notes and records from an Augustus Gavian, abbot of this place from 1509 to 1636. Surely this Gwyvern was abbot from 1509 to 1536? No! He was in situ for 127 years. Tonight, we take you back to Edwardian England when man's thirst to understand the natural and supernatural was at an all-time high. It was on the quest for such knowledge that a telegram was sent to Arthur Samuels of London University, a telegram which led him to investigate the horror of Cardmore Abbey. Hardly August weather. Damn long trip from London, a porter would be nice. Fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight, fifty nine. Good evening. I'm Arthur Samuels from London University. I'm looking for directions to the old Cardmore Abbey. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, could you possibly direct me to the Cardmore Abbey? Cardmore Abbey, you say? 
if you were wanting direction so you could go in the opposite direction, I'd be happy to oblige. Uh, actually, no. I'm here to see Dr. Ernst Horber. He has been resident at the Abbey since January. Yeah, I was here when he arrived. Came in on the same train from London. All crates and trunks and dithering he was. Kept saying how the contents were fragile and to be careful. Yes, that sounds like Ernst. I believe he cares more about his apparatus than any living thing. We haven't seen much of him since he took up residence up there in the Abbey. I understand he has been very busy with his work. Not that anyone tried to visit. At least not till you showed up. Locals know better than to go near Cardmore Abbey, see. Indeed, I'm sure that's why Ernst, um, Dr. Horbar, took up the vacant lease. He needs a place where he can work undisturbed. Why, oh, he were bustling about, asking for odd things from the local folk for a few weeks. And then we barely seen eye nor air of him since. Just what manner of work would it be that the doctor is engaging in up there? Honestly, I'm not entirely sure. He is an eminent and respected researcher at the University of London and a renowned expert in historical science. What kind of odd things was he asking for? Manure, mostly. Stuff that comes out of horses' ends. All he could get his hands on. Somehow I don't think he's planning on growing roses. So what brings you all this way to see him now, then? I received a telegram, an urgent message requesting that I attend him at once. Mm, and you came as quick as you could. Of course, I work with Dr. Horbar in London. I understand the value of his research. I expect he has made some breakthrough or discovery that requires my assistance before he formally announces his success. Or maybe he's up to some foul alchemy that should be shunned by all God-fearing men. Indeed. Now, about those directions. Cardmore Abbey, originally built with local stone from a Roman quarry as a temple to the Roman god Mithras, patron god of soldiers and life during the era of Roman-occupied Britain. The temple was converted to a Christian church in the 5th century, which served as both a religious retreat and a fortress for centuries afterwards, now the current home of Dr Ernst Horbar, historian and scientist. Show yourself. Dr. Horbar. It is Samuels, Arthur Samuels. I received your telegram. I came at once. Samuels? Oh, my God, come in, boy. Quickly, quickly. Let's spy you. <laughs> what is that noise? 
No time, no time, inside! Doctor, please tell me what is going on. Your face. I have never seen such horror etched in the bones of a man. Samuels, Samuels, my dear boy. You were the only one I could trust. The only one who could understand what I have done. Of course, Dr. Horbarber. Please, tell me what discovery you have made. I have come to understand why the masters of secret law in ages past kept their discoveries secret from man. Apollonius, Rosenkreutz, Paracelsus and Isaac Newton, there is a reason why these alchemists hid their secrets in symbol and cipher. Doctor, you are making no sense. Here, sit down. Let me stoke up the fire and I will make a cup of tea. Much better. Now, Doctor, you seem calmer. Perhaps you can tell me what has reduced you to such a state. Aurelius, Philippus, Theostratus, Bombastus, von Hohenheim. The accursed architect of my misery. The man known as Paracelsus? The 15th century alchemist? How can he be causing you such grief? Oh, the body of Paracelsus is long turned to dust, nor does his spirit plague me with his visions and or torments. It is by his works he is known, and by his works that I am reduced to this anguish. Doctor, please, get a grip on yourself and explain what you mean. Explain? No. I will show you. Come, boy, come. Deeper into the halls of this ancient place, past dry stoned mortared walls to mausoleum colds passages of Ides Mithras. The air is getting warmer. And that smell. Doctor, are you keeping horses stabled in the crypts beneath the abbey? No, not the beasts themselves, no. I come through the iron gate. I must caution you to leave at this final threshold all reason and rational thought. Release your grip on the science and truth you think you have learnt in your university studies. There is a greater truth. And I fear a greater price that must be paid. Doctor, what can you mean? Samuels, 
listen to me. With an open mind and cautious eye, you must go on. Of course. Please, lead the way. Here, the carefully artificed glassware of the spagetic arts. The work of the finest Venetian glassblowers. The stone balls and alembics of the art. See, see, here it is all gathered and merged each part in its place. Here the ancient science of the alchemists is continued and demonstrated. An impressive display, Doctor. I see you've been applying yourself to the practical applications of historical science. But other than curiosity value, I see no purpose to it. No purpose? No purpose? Samuels, you'll see only with the eyes of a modern scientist. You are blinded by the words of the text you have poured over the words of lecturers and professors have clogged your ears to truth. Truth? What truth is there in this collection of glass flasks and stills? Night, look beyond the bench. Come, there is more to see. The smell horse manure? The station master said you had been seeking the beast dung in great quantities. Yeah. The fertile soil so prescribed by Paracelsus for the genesis of his greatest discovery. Ridiculous, Doctor. You have passed beyond the scholarly regard of history and beyond been broiled in a fantasy of ignorance. The words of Paracelsus are a result of ignorance, of a lack of understanding about the true nature of the world and the elements within it. Paracelsus and others of his era were restricted to the understanding and technology of their age. Are you so sure, Samuels? Are you so sure that with each breath you will deny the workings of the art? See here, the great glass jar on the shelf. It is but an early attempt, but enough of a success to spur me on to greater endeavors. What is something floating in formaldehyde? Is it a fetus? A child? So hideous, deformed, a specimen for teratology. <laughs> <laughs> you, you cannot be serious. You believe that is a... Belief? Not at all. I know it is a homunculus, formulated using the original notes of Paracelsus. The master travelled all throughout Europe and Asia. He spent time in Britain, and here in the northern reaches of England he worked with another alchemist, one who had made discoveries of his own. I found a box from the 16th century secreted in the walls of this place. In it, notes and records from an Augustus Gavian, abbot of this place from 1509 to 1636. Included in his documents was an original manuscript scribed in the hand of Paracelsus himself. Surely this Guivan was abbot from 1509 to 1536? No! He was in situ for 127 years. Then locals rose up and burned him as a witch. He was killed, Samuels, murdered by ignorance and peasants. Abbot Gaivan had unlocked secrets of alchemy and had used them to prolong his own life. Then when Paracelsus came to this land, they worked together on perfecting his homunculus formulae. And you were seeking to emulate this blasphemy? I seek merely to advance science. We must confirm the achievements of the past, lest they be lost to us forever. But that, that thing in the jar, you created that from the documents you found? The recipe of Paracelsus' little man has never been lost, Samuels. 
But it was incomplete. Only Gyvan, and now I, understand the formula. And yet it is dead, sealed in a jar of preservative tonic. He was but the first. Let me raise the lantern higher and light the lamps around us. See, here, the glass jars sealed as were the canopics of antiquity. These containers were filled with the sacred elements and in time each to each was added a regular measured dose of Arcanum Sanguinus Hominis. The hidden mystery of human blood? Do not look at me so, Samuels. I have not preyed on my fellow man. I drew my own vitae for their supping. All of forty days each container lay immersed in the dung of the horses, application of energies that which we call magnetism, and careful observation of all the factors and tinctures. Life, Samuels, life. First vaporous and translucent, then gaining corporeal form. They began to move and writhe as they grew, filling the fluid-filled spaces of these glass jars as an unborn chick will grow within the confines of its shell. But these jars are empty, shattered and cast aside. Where are the contents? Where are they, Horba? Where are the little men from the jars? And thus you discern the anguish of my horror as they have escaped into the darkness. The homunculi so cowed and subservient to begin with, so eager to learn and grow, their stature never passed more than a foot in height. They are strong though terribly strong, their faces, faces twisted like mortal sin with such dark eyes. They were such quick students, so eager. Then they began to explore, disappearing for hours at a time. Samuels, they turned against me by their vile nature. They are evil, foul entities that are without a soul. They seek now only to harm, to destroy their creator. I dare not leave, I dare not sleep. You can hear them. Their naked feet scuffling on the bare stones, the tattering of their demonic tongues. Calm yourself, doctor, calm yourself. I see you are tired. You have been under a great deal of stress. Let me guide you to your bed. Rest. In the light of day, we'll investigate and find a way to end this madness. Yeah. We must end it, Samuels. We must find a way to destroy them all. Here at last, your bed by the fire. Sleep now, Doctor. I will take my rest in the chair over there. Tomorrow we will talk again. Yeah. Sleep. Thank you, Samus. Thank you.
I awoke some time later. The fire had burned low, and the lamps bred shadows instead of banishing them. At first I sat still, reclined as I was in the antique chair that had been my bed. Something had disturbed my rest. I waited for the dark tide of my nightmares to recede. Suddenly a noise brought the gloom more sharply into focus. A sound, a scraping, a scuffing of leather against the bare flags of stone. Fear bound me to my chair, fear in its most paralysing form. I could only watch. My throat closed against a scream or a shout of warning as I saw the reclined form of Dr. Forbar. Shapes rose around him. Demonic forms made flesh the twisted, gnarled physics of the children of his dark atrocity. Each was unique and terrible to behold. A sin of nature, science... (gasps) that seemed to rise out of the darkness until a multitude of tiny hands grasped Horbar and in one concerted motion they lifted him from his tortured bed and with a chittering of their alien voices they carried him off through the dark recesses of the open doorway and off into the depths of the old abbey. At that point my breath exploded from my chest. I may have shrieked or shouted or called upon God to deliver me from this horror. I found myself on my feet. I seized upon a heavy iron poker from the grand fireplace and hissing lantern was taken into my other hand. Armed and illuminated, I descended after the hellish chorus and the tormented creator whose cries of anguish echoed terrible through the ancient catacombs. Horba's laboratory is still intact. God, the stench of the open cesspit of liquefied remure and the lying stench of sulfur blood and other components of his foul alchemy. There, dear God, has there ever been a more frenzied multitude? <coughs> Samuels, please help me. Oh, for God's sake, man. <coughs> nothing to assist Horbar, not when his monstrous children were so many and intent on their dark labours. Instead, I threw myself at the workbench of the stone-clad chamber. I could readily see all manner of chemicals of a volatile nature in a powdered form. They were heaped in open containers and packed into both barrels and crates. I set to and poured powders and dark liquids into a large flask. With no time for proper grinding or mixing, I prayed that the solvent properties of the aqueous component of my concoction would serve as the bearer of the explosive capabilities of the content. Help me. What is this aspect? It is as deep as a well. A pair of arms are done. They seek to drown me into the foul lob of their bath. <laughs> Dear God, they have stripped him and are now dragging him towards a foul pit. Steady hands, Arthur. Steady. Set the flask down. I'm coming, Horba. I'm coming. Back, you foul imps. Back. There are so many. Horba, Horba, take my hand. Take my hand. They have taken him, dragged him down into that well of black effulent. I must get to the gate. The iron gate will make this chamber their tomb. Mustn't forget the flask. Without it, this cannot end tonight. Cotton from my own shirt is a fuse. That's it. Soak up the combustible ether. Now a match. Be steady, my trembling hands. Steady. 
flame is taken, the fuse is lit. Time to steal the gate and be away. Ha! May the cleansing flame deliver you back to the hell you rose from! Legion was destroyed by the explosion and the resulting fire. I took no pause in my flight until I'd thrown myself sobbing in terror upon the coarse wool coated soldiers of the train station master. He proved to be a capable chap and gave me sanctuary until the first train of dawn carried me away from the horror of Cardmore Abbey. From the carriage window, I saw the smoke still rising from the ruined abbey. I never returned to that part of the country again. The visions of that landscape have plagued my nightmares through my remaining years. Jonathan, it's perfect! The view with the sun setting behind the ruins is just magical! You like it, babe? Ain't that something? The investors will love it, too. Cardmore Abbey will be a great hotel when it's fixed up. Old world charm and 21st century mod cons, it'll be fan-damn-tastic. These old stones are beautiful. Make sure they keep as much of it as possible in the restoration. Sure, babe. Recycling is the big thing now. Keeps construction costs down, too. All this old rock is going to save us a fortune. Who would have thought that an old, burned-out abbey would be our own personal gold mine? Hey, baby, it's a crazy world. This place went up in smoke in the 1900s. Been a ruin for nearly a hundred years. The local town fathers couldn't sign the sales agreement fast enough. Uh, Jonathan? Uh, honey, what was that noise? Nah, it'll just be rats or something, baby. They come out at night. Don't you worry. There'll be nothing with paws scuttling around when we're done. Jonathan, there's something there. I saw something on that broken wall over there. Jesus. I saw it too, baby. Some kind of monkey. Must be some lost pet or escaped from a circus, you know? Susan, run! failed to destroy the creatures that dwelt in the Abbey, much to Jonathan and Susan's misfortune. They had such wonderful plans for Cardmore Abbey, but they just got... carried away.
You have been listening to Night Terrors, an anthology of horror and suspense. The Horror of Cardmore Abbey, written by Paul Mannering. Featured in the cast were David Nagel as Arthur Samuels, Gareth Preston as the Station Master, David Alt as Dr. Ernst Hauber, Ellie Hirschman as the Homunculi, Laura Post as Susan, and Shane Harris as Jonathan. The series is produced and directed by Mark Brzee, co-production by Chris Snyder, post-production by M.J. Cockburn. The executive producer for Darker Projects is Eric Busby. This has been a Darker Projects production. So until next time, sleep well. Billions are dead. You're alone. You're afraid. There's nothing and no one left, and things are about to get much worse. The end is just the beginning. So many bodies. Hundreds of them. What did this? Why am I alive and everyone else is dead? I don't know anything. Maybe it was some kind of virus or... The whole bloody world is falling apart. Who says that bodies getting up and moving again was the end of it? Have you stopped to wonder whether we really are new? Have you considered the possibility that what got the rest of them might get us eventually? Because there's every possibility that we might not wake up tomorrow. We might not be as safe as we thought we were. Darker Projects presents Autumn From the novel by David Moody A terrifying vision of an apocalyptic world of the dead This stark novel of ultimate horror Comes to life in a feature-length audio production March 2007 Only from DarkerProjects.com Imagine if the world as you know it was nothing more than an illusion. What if creatures like elves, dragons, vampires, zombies, and werewolves walk amongst you every day, but you never see them? This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. <laughs>